thank you for joining us on this, our pilot episode of Dice Advice. Uh, as this is our pilot episode, I just wanted to explain a little bit about what we do. We're going to take questions, comments, tales of valor and debauchery from across the globe and bring them back and discuss them and present them to you. I also want to mention this is the first podcast in a series of many um, that we're going to present under the banner of something we're calling the seller lore. Uh, keep your eyes peeled for more coming from us. Live plays, tons of good stuff. My name's Jesse. I'm going to host for the evening. And to my left, I've got my good buddy. Terry. And then down the and way to from my left. <laughs> You're not going to say anything about yourself? <laughs> oh, I didn't know. Well, yeah, tell tell us a little bit about yourself. You need to know, damn it. <laughs> well, we're we're keeping this. I like long walks on the beach. I'm young, strapping. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he's single. He's single. Oh, yeah. ladies. Ready to mingle. Mm-hmm. Ready to mingle with my dingle. <laughs> and to my left is my good friend. Yeah. I, I'm John, um, writer, tabletop role-playing adventurer, sometimes work as a physician assistant. Ooh. Yeah, that's me. And then last but not least. I'm Saul, former journalist, now training to be an engineer. Daytime hobbyists of board games and fantasy RPGs. I'm here to discuss. I, I didn't know we were going to do all that, so I, I don't really do anything. I'm a cable guy, and this is where <laughs> we come to decompress. We're going to talk about all of our favorite nerdy shit. Full disclosure, we did record this separately with our busy schedule. So here, sit back, enjoy our pilot episode of Dice Advice. Um, all right, so Richard was asking, basically, uh, he said, not sure if this is what you're looking for, but here we go. One of my pet peeves is players making up characters in a vacuum. Friendless, orphans, childless bachelors without guild or clan. So my answer is to help my players with these issues. They could all start out growing up in the same hamlet, so they all knew each other from birth. Uh, or they could, uh, they are all part of the same military unit or guild and answerable to their leadership. Da, 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 da. And I'll cut off the rest of that because it's kind of just rambling. He didn't really ask a question. Uh, but the, <laughs> I guess the question is, how do you guys recommend setting some guidelines for players so that they start off knowing each other? And is that beneficial? Do we need to worry about that? Hmm. I, think, I think that's a great question because I think it, it really talks about your unity as a team. Like, what I've played in campaigns before. Uh, Jesse, you remember when we were younger, like, we all would split off and go in these oddball directions of like, well, I'm going to go build a castle over here. Yeah. I'm going to go build a castle over there. And it's like the storyline is just garbage, kind of. It's thrown away. And it's pretty random gameplay. And I love what Saul's done with this campaign of like, somehow we all came together. And even though we were reluctant to join a party, it just made good sense for us to achieve the same goal. So... I mean, I think a good storyline and good goals are, are pretty important. But uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I, I agree. And actually, um, I was recently, uh, and I was second that too, because Saul, he did a lot of good work. Two years ago when we first started this, I think he did a lot of good work helping to flesh out everybody's backstory and connect us all together in some way. But uh, I was actually diving into some other RPGs in you know the last couple of months, just kind of skimming through different uh rules and stuff like that spire i don't know if you guys heard of that that's an that's a 
a new one by Grant Howitt, I think. Um, and in that game, uh, there's a mechanic where when you're creating characters, you have you, you you pick these bonds. So like you pick one other character in the uh, campaign or the or, yeah in the group that you have like some sort of bond with. I mean, there's there's rules to how to do it, but and they give you some fodder to like get it going. But I think in any campaign, if you have an episode zero or session zero, where it's character creation and world building, in like including uh, a way to use bonds to connect your characters, and then you know at the table, the the player characters decide how they're connected to each other in what way in their backstories. <laughs> Dude. That is sick. I like that. Absolutely. And I think another thing is like trying not to shoehorn them or railroad or say, you have to play this type of character. This is just kind of like the template of how you guys are going to come to be in the origin, why you know each other. Make what you want after that. Um, but yeah, I think, it, I think it does help to like start with a, a imprint of what you want, not, not necessarily a, a railroad track. I think the issue also is that you have to really kind of sit down and talk to your players on what type of campaign you're going to play. For sure. Are you playing a role-playing camp- heavy campaign or are you playing just beat stick campaigns where you're really just stats versus stats? Um, yes. With a beat stick campaign where you're just really kind of just player versus DM, backstories don't matter. I just want to make a very powerful character and kill shit. In the RP. Huh? Sorry. Sorry, I was gonna say, and that's what gets my rocks off as a player is like that's I'm I'm gonna tell you not me necessarily, but I'll tell you at session zero. Hey, I'm not really I don't like to you know talk that much. I just want to kill some stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, that's fair enough. If that's you know, then you can kind of rule out right then if you want to be at that table too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. And I think for me, I remember vividly like when we first started this. I wanted to be a ranger, but of course, I remember this. That other oh guy God, was like, oh, lot. I'm already a ranger. We don't need another ranger. And then, he, and then, you know, Jesse, you, you were the bard. You decided to be the bard, and I wanted to be rogue. Well, like, bard and rogue can, can overlap. I mean, both of them are very good skill monkeys, so Absolutely. to speak. But I think, like, he, he was making a big deal of, oh, well, you know, we, people with two party members with a bunch of skills. Like, I, I think making those little... um. I get, you know, airing those concerns and like nitpicking that uh, is really detrimental because, you know, you could have a party of three barbarians and all about how you play, you know what I'm saying? And interact with each other and you're making your your own character and it's coming alive and as the story progresses. So, you know, I think it's all about how you play. I I totally agree with you. If you're just going to play for power's sake, you make a whole party of fucking clerics and you'd be fine. Mm-hmm. Like we're all lo- we're all four we're four clerics, we're all armored opponents. We're gonna take a we're gonna take a little variation to make sure we can optimize our characters to cover everything we need. Yep. Oh yeah. And now we're unbeatable because we have no problem healing, we have no problem damaging, and we're just gonna break through everything. Like I don't know. <laughs> and then the DM throws a bunch of chromatic dragons at you or, or whatever. <laughs> or, they, they just cheat at that point. Let's just be real. Because it's at that point, it's just not fun. Yeah. But I mean, you got you to gotta diversify. I agree. You have to balance the party, but saying, well, you can't be a, you can't have a bard and a rogue in the same party because it's not going to be balanced. I, I think that's. And I agree with you, too. I think that's a, um, I think that's a good way to start off the campaign. 
Um, something you could do. Another thing that Saul's done well is keep that going on. Like we could have all splintered off with different goals here, but we felt like it was. It, it, I don't know. We the storyline progressed in such a way that we teamed up and bonded. It could have been totally different. I could have took over the Mouse Kingdom, or like I could have been like, guys, I'm taking right. full power, and you guys can keep going, or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I could have went full demon on you, but we I did exactly. Oh, you may still do that. <laughs> I'm still thinking about it. What am I saying? We're going to have a little blend over with our uh, with our other podcast, which is going to be about uh, just breaking down the Dragonlance campaigns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah so, we'll figure that out. Have you guys heard of uh, the Tomb of Horrors? Oh, yeah. No, uh-uh. What's that? So the Tomb of Horrors is written by uh, Gary Gygax. It's an adventure module. And it's really good because it's pretty much the adventure module against power players. It's great. Mm. Yeah, it's it's... DM versus the uh, players, and it's very unfun. It's, it's, it's legendary for not being fun. Yeah, yeah, but it really epitomizes the fact that you have to role. So the game was designed for role playing, essentially. Like you have to think that like your characters are going to think, and if you power play, you stat play, um, you're essentially going to die. Right. Yeah. Because it's all simple puzzles that if you were playing as a character, not as a, just a buff machine, um, you'd figure it out. A level one character can go through the Tomb of Horrors and survive. And a level 20 character can go through and just die immediately. That's great. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's all about complex or, or, you know, creative problems to comp. What am I trying to say? Creative uh, uh solutions. solutions to complex problems yeah. <laughs> team player and a little bit of teamwork <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> disclaimer though when it was originally published it was for a level 10 to 14 party <laughs> yeah but i don't think we're not in danger of that at all though because um it's like we've played full sessions where we've just role played for two hours yeah. not a single sword was drawn <laughs> and we just had the time of our lives don't and it's to. like it's but every once in a while I do get a taste for battle. Like, oh, yeah. I gotta kill something. I gotta kill something. And just out of nowhere, axe someone. Kadar, yeah, right? Kadar raised my blood pressure in real life. I think. <laughs> I know, right? I I, I, I was so mad at Kadar, uh, and still am. I <laughs> think <laughs> he wakes up in his sleep. <laughs> I always remember that um, moment where uh, somebody casts silence. Just was oh, it you, Jesse? That's yeah, me. just for the sh- fun of it uh, to to shut him up. But he was about to like give us this really? full exposition of everything, <laughs> yeah, his whole motivation for everything, the, the climax of the story. I forgot about that. And I was like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear it. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> you took away and his I, monologue, man. <laughs> and, I, and I wasn't fucking with Saul, but I, I just hated him. You know, I hated Kadar. Yeah. I, I, so another another tip of the hat to you. Uh, thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, you guys uh, ready for another question? Well, yeah. I, actually, I wanted to break more into that, actually. I think oh, that, feel free. Yeah, let's I dig. I really think um, from a DM's perspective, like, you know, we look at it and we have to think like heavily on narrative. You know what I mean? And I think that's really lost the D&D table sometimes. It's, um, you get a lot of people who are really heavy role players, but you get a lot of people who also were like our previous companion who left us. 
he was very combat oriented. And when you have those two two types, you know, people sitting on the same table who want to play together, how do you handle that in the sense of getting them together? You know, you have some party members who are good with backstory and other ones aren't. How do you, how do you compliment them at the beginning? Uh, well, I, I will say that I think our previous companion, as you put it, he was probably more battle oriented, but also, and I think he still did role play, except the role play that he did was not very effective. Like he, he, I just, I just vividly remember him just sitting there. Uh, my character scowls. Right. <laughs> right. I, right. I find the darkest right. corner that I could find. Yeah. His role playing didn't progress the storyline or add anything to the room. It more of, I guess, defined him and himself as uh, my character is upset all the time. And that mm-hmm. was a, you know, but he, that's a, he seemed a little immature for our group. I think, too. I think that's all it was. I don't, I think it was mo- more of a, I focus on my stats and this character is stacked. It's perfect. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a beautiful killing machine. But um, just, but to Sal's yeah. point, like as a DM, you know, how, how are you met? How are you balancing that? Like you got one guy who min maxed and he just wants to go th- swords blazing and you got some other people who want to do more role play, explore, exploration and that kind of thing. I mean, I think you just, I don't know. I, I will say that an easy way in the beginning of a campaign for me, and I, I'm no veteran of course, but, and, and but here's, here's an idea of mine. Uh, railroad in the beginning because that's when it's necessary. Yeah, it, it just get it, get it over with, get the thing started. Then once they're, you know, the hooks are in, they're not going to need it anymore. They can go to the sides. You know, if you're doing your job right, you won't have to keep. And if you have to corral them, corral them. But, and I um, honestly think if you just let the pl- the table kind of sort that out too. Absolutely. Uh, if you if you let the player, if you let the PCs um, interact with each other enough. I mean, like in our, our example, that guy just left the party, you know, not saying that that was the right solution to y- you want to be inclusive and you want to try to get everybody um, c- to come together at the table. Oh, but absolutely. Honestly, I think a lot of these problems solve themselves and work themselves out just by the player characters interacting with each other. And then they kind of balance because I just had this, uh, you know, I, I had this idea or, or I kind of imagine a, you're sitting at a table. This one guy comes to the table he wants to fight one guy comes to the table he's never played D at all he's brand new he's fresh names his character dildo baggins because he thinks it's kind of a joke you know or whatever um yeah. and you know you got a couple of people who are all into the the role play they've come up with a you know a page long backstory and then you have th- this is just from actually a personal experience so i just started sunless citadel you know a classic D campaign and mm-hmm. we just went down you know step by step through by the numbers and then as i introduced this world the setting to them you know they kind of worked it out like there were one of the characters was being a dick uh and they solved that problem among themselves you know and then we still kept going on with for, you know future sessions and it and it kind of balanced i i don't know i guess it's just kind of the way of the force yeah i, I see where you're coming from the way oh. I open the way I open my campaign that never really went anywhere, and I'm still going to keep working on. I've got a big binder of future stuff. Was I started them in a prison cell? I just thought it was cool. I, I, it's oh, kind yeah, of one of those I remember that opposite cliche. Like I guess I don't know. I was trying to play like the opposite angle. 
mm-hmm. of you starting safety. I wanted to, hey, you guys start and you're kind of fucked up, but like, here's pretty clearly the reason you guys are together and get going. Mm-hmm. And then you guys, you know, the backstories didn't really intertwine at all. Yeah. But I think by just exploring those backstories individually, and I hate to go here on our first episode, but Critical Role does a great job of this. They take an appropriate amount of time to delve into each person's backstory little by little, and they bounce mm. back and forth and they expose little pieces. And when <laughs> it comes out, it's, it's uh, narratively satisfying and it's kind of dramatic and, clim- you know, uh, <laughs> sa- it's just satisfying. I don't know if my campaign ever goes anywhere. I think I, or, you know, I would restart it with that same intro. A little bit of railroading yeah. goes a long way and see where they want to take it. Well, to that point, Ben, uh, Jesse, I guess either, either is fine. <laughs> I might just, <laughs> I might just go with Ben here. I mean, that might just make more sense. That was a, that was a great intro. I really love that. Like throwing people together and I, you know, letting and then referencing critical role, like, like delving into each character's backstory. Sal did it a great job of that too. Absolutely. And he, he kind of devoted, you know, we had a good 10, maybe even 15 minutes uh, early on in the first, you know, a few sessions. And, and then when like big things happened to explore personal stuff. And I think that kind of threw that guy off too. That wasn't really his cup of tea. I think overall, like we were on a different wavelength than this guy, mm-hmm. but I, I think that's probably because he didn't come up. I mean, he didn't really, he wasn't invested in the role play side of it. So, but on the other, on the flip side of that, you also have to think of, I'm the DM. I want to give each character there some time uh, to mm-hmm. explore personal stuff. However, I'm spending 10 or 15 minutes on this person. You know, what's, what, yep. what's going on with the rest of the table? Are they enjoying right. this or are they like just waiting for their turn to do something and how to like make that, enjoyable for them too because i mean you know sitting back listening to what hagar was doing in his vision when he was you know taking the axe out of the stump or or whatever and fighting (laughs) how did it go you were fighting multiple copies of yourself or something yeah Yeah. like that was awesome that was awesome (laughs) visually like sal was creating this visual tapestry and that was awesome to just sit back and listen to but (laughs) i can only imagine how it would not go well if you don't do it right. Well, and then here's the thing. That same scene, had it gone on for 15 minutes, would have been really terrible. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. But he did it the prop. You know, it was just perfect. It was the way it went. You got, you, and you guys both knew how long to make that scene. And, you know. And um, I, I love the Whispers chat room, too. That me too. Every once in a while, you can go off and have a little secret conversation of, like, now, now, now it feels individualized of, like, you have secret information that I don't have and it's up to you whether you want to share it with the party or not. But -hmm. before I go off too far on a tangent, I wanted to say too, as much as I think it's important for role-playing and stat playing to be balanced and for teamwork and all that, I think it's very important for players to be followers as much as DMs to be leaders a player has to be willing to follow the storyline. Like mm-hmm. if you're sitting at the table and you're trying to buck the system, like you're, we're not going to get it very far because you're trying to do your own thing. We're all swimming mm-hmm. down river. We're all swimming down river, but this one character is like, I'm going this way. Like, all right, that's cool, <laughs> man. But you're fucking up the system right now. You have to be able to trust that the DM is going to lead you somewhere good. Uh, I'm just gonna be honest with you guys. I really can't stand power players. I just was thinking back to your intros, like when we first played 
Dragonlance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I sent out a letter to you guys, which I thought was very professional. I loved it. Giving you guys an explanation of what I, my goals are were for the campaign. And although I like powerful characters, I just felt like the one compatriot who left was so big about taking your guys' glory, and it kind of annoyed me. Because yeah. I'm setting you guys up for, vic- for like these like moments of heroism to introduce your characters, like, you know, to fight and kill these, like, that's not very weak, but low-level enemies, and he's just like, I shoot 500 arrows and all the enemies die, and it's like, well, you just ruined my introductive narrative to everybody's epic abilities and let people show off it was like, are. we each had one. It was one for each of us. He <laughs> right. ate, ate, right. ate all the meatloaf. He <laughs> ate all the pudding. Oh my god! Yeah. And then he just scowled in the corner while they were sitting. While right. we were sitting. Yeah. Then the, and then we tried to like role play. To, yeah, we should. We should. Uh, we'll, we we'll, all tried to be friendly yeah. as hell. Well, for drinks, smokes, yeah, like come in on. character, in character, right, yeah, we were, right? Yeah, man, yeah. Here's a here's a beverage. Thanks for killing all those guys. You know. Um, now you'll never know that I'm a really good swashbuckling bard, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I gotta I gotta remember to always uh, take a take a bath as the intro for the campaign. <laughs> I was washing my hair and stuff as we started. It was so fun. Yeah. Man, Dude, that's really very cool. critical, man. You, if you don't do that, you're fucked. I mean, you never know when you're going to get one. That's the thing. You know, I was like, yeah. at least I know my bard is starting off spick and span. Wait, in the- <laughs> I love this because this was one of my other questions. Like, uh, how, when do you go to the restaurant? Let's, let's break into this. Yeah, the, uh, we have a we have an anonymous question asker who dropped this one in our Dropbox. <laughs> um, he's. <laughs> Uh, yeah, why don't we see more player characters? Oh, I'm sorry, characters, players, characters. See, I, I'm reading it. That's why I'm. He's got synonymous, a typo here. Synonymous. He, he's got a typo here. It's actually a physical thing I'm reading. We didn't just make it up right now. Um, so you're telling me the person who submitted's an idiot? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. About. Yep. <laughs> uh, but yeah, why don't we see more characters Pretty taking harsh. a dump in the middle of the street? And how would you do so if uh, if you had to? Well, I'll say this as as a as a former soldier. When you get rest, that's your free time to do whatever the fuck you want. That's your time to take shits. You don't take shits on the military time. You take shits on your time. <laughs> you wake up in the morning. You you know you do PT. You go to chow, and after you come back from chow, you take a fucking dump, and then you get ready and get dressed, and you're ready for the rest of the day. Is it on you the woods? You're five mile force march, ha- having to go in the woods. Sarge, I gotta drop a deucey. Well, guess what, Private? You better you hold it. You should have put your diapers on this morning, boy. <laughs> I mean, uh, like, let's be real here, though. Also, like, you might you you might just shit yourself. Like, what are you gonna do? You know, you're in the middle of a fight. Somebody hits you with a fucking uh, sledgehammer to to the stomach. You might shit yourself. It's just the way. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, God, I'll give myself twice a year. I'm not even in battle. <laughs> he, he just does it to not not get rusty. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> you don't want to lose that skill set. You don't. It's a, it's an ego check as well. It's just but the other you. thing, too, I mean, we're in the medieval. We're we're in medieval times, right? I mean, this is you know 15th century type of. I mean, this that's what D and D is, right? Yeah. Back. Wait. Yeah. 
I'm not sure about this specific one, but yeah, I think I think it's probably pretty common that people were walking around with some stank ass. Yeah, and just mm-hmm. basically shitting everywhere. Shitting in the street. <laughs> you go and you gotta go. But the other thing is too, like short rests don't happen as often as you need to take a piss. I think. No. Well, I pee pretty freely. Yeah, I just pee a lot. I think for the game care, I, I like to pee on stuff. It's therapeutic. <laughs> I mean, I think that's a very, uh, you know, critical thing though. Like, you have this uh, situation. Where, like, you're walking, and I'll be honest with you, like, you know, Hagar, you, you remember when we used to be out in the woods, right? We'd be, be camping or something, and you'd be like, hold on, guys, I gotta take a piss real quick. Mm-hmm. And it, it wouldn't even be like, and that's not something, like, I would really, like, even, like, think about. It just happened, you know? Right. The party continues without the sidebar of, it's just like, it's like there's some things we don't talk about. We don't talk about eating too often. Unless we're having a feast. And like, yeah. that's, that's something you could focus on, but it's just a, a bodily function that we don't give a lot of credit to. I'd say chalking it up to rest is pretty much... Rest encompasses personal time. Do your makeup and put on your eyeliner. Yeah. And, of course, take a shit. Wash your tits and, you know... <laughs> no, I, I mean, I totally... <laughs> I totally agree. Like, the, that, that's, that's the thing. Some sessions or, or you know some campaigns dms players they want the minutiae they want to have to pick up their fucking arrows every time they fire them they want to go to the to the fucking bazaar and the marketplace and buy <laughs> you know, components for their spells and they want you know i think that that taking a piss is kind of linked into that but the, on the other hand like does it make it feel more realistic when you say i pick up my arrows uh, that I just shot, and they pull them out of this carcass, or I step off into the woods to take a pit. And that's totally legit, too, if they want to play that way. I hate that little, right. like, I gotta pick up my arrows kind of thing. I'm like, just assume I pick up the arrows, dude. Why wouldn't, you know? And I think we all kind of struck that balance pretty well in our game, at our table, you know? Right. I do think there's a time and a place for everything, including that picking up the arrows part. If it's essential to, let's make sure that you know everybody knows i got these arrows stocked up so it's uh i don't know if, if it's if it's gonna further the storyline let us know that you're taking a shit if it's not gonna further the storyline keep it to yourself that's my I've taken, I've taken plenty of shits that definitely altered the storyline <laughs> <Butterfly. laughs> for, for, for better or for worse they changed the course of the day <laughs> no i mean hagar to your point like story i i think in the most beautiful thing about dnd and and the most arguably the best characteristic in my opinion is creating story and it's coming to the table and it's and it's um collaborative storytelling and you know saying yes and you know providing some sort of entertainment to yourself to yourself really and to your friends if it your your decisions should somehow progress the story forward you want it to move forward because i mean that is story you're you've got to have a goal and i think exact that you're exactly right and that should be probably utmost foremost in everyone's mind when they're playing and that at the table is what i'm about to do going to further the story for the everyone together 
And how can I set him up for something else? How can I help this other player get to what he's trying to do? Right. Um, which I think we all are going to, you know, I think we do good at, but I, I don't want to suck our own balls here. Like, I think mm-hmm. uh, we all have a lot to learn about it still, too. But let's move on to the next one here, just because I think it's another rich vein, and I think we can spend some time on it. Yeah. Uh, just so it doesn't sound like it's from the same guy. We're going to call this guy Dick instead of Richard. Um, <laughs> all right. He said, uh, I'm in my 50s. I've been playing since I was in junior high. I know a fair amount of history, particularly mis- military history and law enforcement. At least I know more than the average person. Uh, this knowledge shows with the complexity of my homebrew campaign. Humble brag. He humble brag. <laughs> and the descriptions of my antagonist actions. From what I have seen firsthand, all the way down to what I know from documentaries, uh, is there is actual evil in the world and it shows in my game. Uh, yada, yada, yada. But now I'm going to get custody of my 12 year old. And I'm sure, wow, I'm unsure of his, yeah, and I'm unsure of his knowledge of the darker aspects of humanity. This being said, how do I tailor a game for a child after running games for adults? Holy shit! And Wait, I think he's we'll 12, move to he said? yeah, and I think we're gonna okay. move to like a Dear Abby kind of thing where I go like uh, I make up a little a little snippet name like mm-hmm. that was uh, I don't know Cletus and Manitas. <laughs> Dear Mister Tomness. <laughs> yeah, I like that. You know, I actually really love this question. I do too. Let's get into it. I'm really interested to see what you guys think. I'm the only non-military person here, so this is going to be extra interesting for me as the host to not have much to say. And I, I'd like to make my humble brag. I think I'm only dad, except for Brad. Where is he at? Yeah, I'm not I sure where Brad is. Nothing yet. That's all right. It's the it's just the pilot. We'll have a we'll have plenty more fun times here on Dice Advice. <laughs> <laughs> nice segue. Let's get oh, back God. into the question. I've seen, uh, I've, I've done a, some research into, you know, in, involving children. I've actually got some buddies who play with their kids. And it's actually pretty widely accepted as an opportunity to involve your kids into basically developing their ability to solve problems and interact, social interaction, that kind of thing. So I would say, if, if you're going to cater something or if you're going to try to have a campaign with your children, I, I think it needs to be focused on them specifically, you know. So you think don't even go military. I think in this specific instance, he's asking about um, you know, this is kind of what I want to write my campaign about because it's what I know about. Can I do that in front of yeah. the kids or should I do, uh, you know, find the find, find the barnyard animals kind of game? Well, but I think. If he writes about his experience, that's him focusing on himself. Yeah. There you go. I agree with Aldwin that he needs to maybe cater it for the child because that's the, this is an opportunity. This is a new experience and it's an opportunity for him to be exposed to something that he doesn't know the depths of humanity and maybe he doesn't need to know Santa Claus isn't real just yet. Yeah. <laughs> I think, though, that the, uh, an opportunity is lost, though, when you look at it and there's, like, really simple gestures. Um, you guys know I love writing, and, I, you know, I've, I've studied literature pretty well. Um, and so with that being said, I think that we, we, we at times underestimate the depth of a child's knowledge. There's inherent morals, <laughs> one can argue, morality all day long, but you look at, like, children's books at even a young age, you know, you'll still see antagonists that, you know, and so when you, when you have children, I think it's a, in D&D, I think it's a great opportunity to hit some really hard lessons in a very soft way. Yeah, hmm. that's a good point. 
I just, you know, honestly, you guys are going to laugh at me. I went and watched Frozen 2 with my fiance. Well, I'm, I can't wait to see it, honestly. Um, <laughs> it was great. But Frozen, the original Spoiler Frozen. Alert. I'm not going to talk about Frozen 2, guys. No spoilers there. But if you haven't seen Frozen, <laughs> you haven't seen Frozen yet, you're a piece of shit garbage trash. Yeah. I was on the edge of my seat. I'm, well, I'm a piece of shit garbage. And I have we already knew that, Agar. We already knew that. <laughs> and my nuts hang low. Anyway, continue. Continue. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. they, get ha- they get really heavy after you don't use them for a while, so it's understandable. It was <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, uh, the, the whole notion of Frozen 1, though, right? You had this really good, uh, you know, concept of love. You had the traditional love story. Turned out to be totally not the case. And you got to really see like the villainous side of a character in a very simple and funny way. I saw that and, from a mile away. I knew it was going to happen. Hey, man, when they messed up the song with sandwiches, you knew it was over. <laughs> so, is this the snowman you guys are talking about? No. Uh, yes, Olaf. Yep. Totally an evil wizard. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I get what you're saying. Like When, um, when we were watching it, of course, we do this thing. <laughs> We do this thing with my uh, daughter. It's a family fun night on Friday night. So <laughs> we have a little treat. We do a little kind of quick puppet show or read a book or something. We talk about a lesson, like saying thank you and I'm sorry. And, stuff like that. and then we watch, you know, half an hour of a kid's movie. So we did Frozen over the course of like three, three weeks. You know, at those suspenseful moments when Anna and Sven and the other guy, like they're going through the snow and they're being chased and they're sled and all that. She's like reaching and she's 18 months old. She's like reaching out to the screen and saying, no, oh no, oh no, you know? And like, yeah. she's getting really, really into it. And so I just say that I, I completely agree with you. The, these lessons, these moral lessons, these hard moral lessons and suspense and thrill, the thrill of adventure, kids are going to love that no matter how old they are. But mm-hmm. you have to approach it in a way that they're going to acceptive of. Yeah, and like you said, you have to take hard, hard these hard lessons and and approach them in a soft, I, so to speak, soft way. I, I'd love to uh, jump into that some more. Can we get, get, let's figure out how we can like I don't know something concrete? How can we do that? How can we cater it to them and like give them like one moral example? I don't know safely. That's like a, a hard one. Okay, here's 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 a good one. Um, I would model an adventure over off after some one of the old like fairy tales. But kind of give it a little more suspense, you know? Yeah, okay. Um, Hands on Gretel, even. I'll go original on this one. Oh. You know, let's just say young children, right? They're, you make a campaign or a little adventure where the mom gets sick, right? Damn, yeah, that's already dark. Parents, parents, get, sick. parents get sick. They do get sick. Cure. There is a cure, right? This time. And all they have to do is just go to the wizard and they have to, you know, they have to, you know, solve some puzzles on the way there. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. You know, it's a very simple thing. People get and sick is, all the time. And it's a safe environment for them to kind of start feeling that in, at all. I gotcha. Yeah, and on the way, they might meet, uh, you know, a roguish bandit or something who's going to try to trick them out of something like, you know, like, let's say they have to give the wizard an item, right? A token. You know, and the dad's like, "Hey, I gotta stay here, take care of the mom, my your mother. You guys are old enough to go to get the, the the cure from the wizard. Take the token to the wizard to get the cure." 
And on the way, you trick the children out of the tokens. They have to go and get the token back. Nice. Absolutely. Yeah. Love it. That definitely... I like that idea, modeling it after the fairy tale. It really... I think it really brings it home that um, we have the heroes and the villains, and it doesn't have to be hardcore Rambo's last blood. And um, <laughs> and another thing, no while we've been, needed. right? And mm-hmm. while we've been talking about this, um, in my mind, I've been imagining Voldemort. And if you think back to like Harry Potter, <laughs> um, Voldemort is a villain. Yeah, he was a villain. He who shall not be named. He was this villain that they they explained the backstory to him, and it kind of softened him up a little bit. Even though he's this horrendous villain that no one you know wants to fuck with, it's like um, once they explained him as Tom Riddle, a little boy, orphaned, a lot like Harry Potter, a lot like the hero of the story, but he goes in a different path. It kind of softens him up a little bit to where you're like dang like maybe he's not so bad maybe he's just misguided but it's the same thing a principle of war is that nobody like even though people do create great evils it's like they think they're doing it for the right reasons a lot of people and it is depends on your perspective as to what's right and what's wrong a lot of people both sides could be fighting a war and both sides think they're right and uh it's definitely an opportunity for teachable moments, but it's it. I think it definitely takes a lot of. I think it's going to take a lot of effort. It's going to take a lot of uh, conscious, aware, like a lot of awareness of like what you're exposing your child to. And um, yeah. I can only imagine how sensitive you would have to be to not to not because I think like going dark, going full zero dark thirty yeah. is like <laughs> I eviscerate him. Right, right, right. Like yeah. going too dark. I mean, it's great for adults. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you there too. Because I'm thinking to my, I'm thinking about you know my situation, and it's a lot of the stuff that I am familiar with, and a lot of the kids' stuff, Disney cartoons or whatever, <clears throat> or any just you know television, movie, whatever. It, your perspective changes when you have a kid and you have, and you think about and you have to like to balance whether or not to expose your kid to it. So it, it, your perspective definitely changes. I mean, just for the simple fact of, uh, say for instance, the turtles, you know, the Ninja mm-hmm. Turtles, they're like um, the CGI cartoon, awesome cartoon, great storyline, love it. I watched it myself, uh, but I can't show that to my daughter you know as much as i want her to like turtles right now i can't show that to her because it's too dark you know she's not going to understand it i we have to watch jake and the neverland pirates or daniel tiger or something like that they talk to you for her to be in engaged in it i mean she she didn't even like she-ra you know and i I never really wanted to watch that one too but (laughs) she-ra's a bitch you you definitely have to cater it you have to cater, yeah. Have to pander a little bit to the kids, and you have to think about. And I think ultimately, I hate to keep going back to this, but it's about the players. You want to mm-hmm. focus on them, not about the DM. If we're going back to the original question, like you take the focus off yourself and and try to challenge yourself by doing something that they're going to enjoy, and you can only do that 
based on your experience with them outside. So, uh, anecdotally, also, um, I started playing D anD D in fourth grade, and my siblings also played with me, and they were about four and five years younger than me, respectively. Mm-hmm. Um, and they played with me, and my cousin was not very unapproachable. Was like very not the whole let's take this lightly. And I remember like my character died, and I was really upset about this. <laughs> Well, that that in and of itself is a lesson right there. Like, okay. yeah. you know. but I, I the question though that I the point I'm trying to lead on is like the transition. So you get a child, you're trying to play D and D with a five year old or six year old, very feasible. And there's interesting products out there that have basic campaigns for that age group. I find them very fascinating. Uh, the mechanics are very interesting. They're very they're like simplified. A small fetch quest, like yeah, There's actually you're talking about Jake and the pirates. There's a very there's a pirate D and D campaign. I, I should say die twenty campaign for like children of five to eight about them being pirates. Like That's I found so that cool. it was very fascinating, and I wish I had written down the name before we started this, but because that would have been a great shout out, but. Um, <laughs> Research is on yeah. it. I, I, I'm getting yeah, one of the one of the interns will take care of that. Yeah, um, <laughs> Lisa. But when we look at us, we started playing probably in sixth grade, I believe. I think we started talking. I started talking to you guys about it when I was in when we were in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. But you know, so we're looking at well, how old are we then? Like nine, ten? <laughs> Holy like, shit! Because thirteen is when we were in eighth grade, so. Yeah, you're talking about nine or ten year olds already talking about killing goblins and slaying dragons, and so oh, yeah. you know the transition and from much that. More. <laughs> Yo, I yeah. think I I believe at first glance that it may be called the island with no name. Yeah, I think that was it. Um, but yeah, I'll delve into it a little bit more. That yes, it sounds uh, it sounds very promising for that. But you know that's some of that transition though. You're talking about five year olds who are going to be dealing with fairy tale quests. Versus nine or ten year olds who can now understand and kill bad guys, you know, right? Um, and that's a very fast transition when you think about it. Because I'm it assuming, is. like, Doc, you're your little girl, right? You know, okay, Matt, you know, her growing up in five years to be able to comprehend fetch quests to killing goblins, like, how is that going to? How do you? How are you going to take? How are you going to take that? I think to piggyback off of what Saul just said, which I agree with wholeheartedly i think there's two key factors that we need to consider i think one is what's appropriate for this age level and then two that has to be balanced with the maturity level of the individual because not all adults are adults not all children are children not all 12 year olds have the same iq or the same maturity level so it's kind of like you got to know what you're dealing with like, I, think he's, um, I think he's got a leg up because it's his kid and like maybe maybe his friends or whatever, but he's got a leg up there. But uh, mechanically, I think uh, mechanically, I think we gave him some good functional advice there for sure. I think that he's even asking that question. He's in the right. He's taking a step in the right direction. Absolutely. So yeah, he's taking considering stock of, getting yeah. outside of himself to put someone else first. I think that's beautiful. And I think we also, you know, we, we trust ourselves to be good enough at the game that we, um, we don't, yeah, I, I trust that he could run that military style game appropriately for his kid. I think he's, you know, also asking like, 
what do they want to play possibly like you know how I, I think pirates would be a great way to go especially for me as a kid pirates would have been sick and, but and even put yourself in a 12 year old shoes like do you want to play Candyland at 12 years old right exactly or do, like, or do well, you want to you know swing some swords around and fucking fight evil and I like, think there's another way to do you to do uh you know cartoony cartoony style sword fighting hack and slash adventure you know Legend of Zelda Legend of Zelda. I mean, it's it's right. long. Keep it. You can run it any way you want. You're the you're the one in control. So trust yourself. I think I think you guys came up with the best point of all, which is uh, take take the player's interest in the mind when generating the content. Ah, uh, yeah, I agree. Huzzah. Huzzah. <laughs> and I've got one last question for you guys from myself. I I just wanted to ask. How do you guys feel? I wanted to get it out of the way. It's a big question, I feel like, for uh, just people in general, the community at, at large. Milestone or traditional experience points leveling? What do you prefer? Milestone. And why? Milestone. Milestone. It's it unanimous. Just, it adds a bonus to what, what you've done. Like, oh, shit, man. Like... We now, did again, it. But. We should disclaimer it. Obviously, your table is your table. We're not telling you what's better. If you know, if you guys like to count your points and award for role play and stuff like that, then that's fantastic. But just that's never. Those, that's definitely going to be for those people who like to pull arrows, who like to you know count their money and their gold. <laughs> I mean, those you are for those players. Guys. No, those are. It's, kidding, that, that's basically for those players that like the minutia. You know, yeah, right. and, and for the players that want the broad strokes and they want to do role playing and they want to explore the world and the setting and stuff like that, like that shit is not important. And it's more about milestones, so, I think. Nailed if, it. I, if I had to do experience points um, for one. a campaign, I'm a very milestone DM. But if I had to do experience points, and this is what I learned from dealing with you guys when I was younger, I would take the number of experience points needed to level up. And times by four. You so, did what? I would take the amount of experience points required for level up and times by four. <laughs> so you make it harder to get levels, basically? Yes, because you guys... So, like, the way the mechanics are set up, it's very fast. It's like four or five encounters per level. Yeah. And if you're pitting just, the appropriate challenge rating monsters against the party or whatever yeah and that's like so i, I guess you could do it like here, here's my here's here's my personal anecdote. this is all anecdotal, obviously players like big fights they don't want to just slaughter goblins it's fun but if i keep throwing goblins and cabals at you guys you're just like this is boring i can kill these things in one hit so they're, they're they like that tense struggle and i found that like a lot of players want that more than level ups <laughs> I think you may be right. I think you may be right there. And I think that it makes a lot of sense to do a milestone because uh, the, you don't really need that level up prior to the narrative beat. The, mm -hmm. the DM knows when you need that power. And as long as it goes, you know, as long as it goes according to plan and you guys are doing enough to have progressed realistically, I think, you know, the DM's got your best uh, interest in mind there. Trust him to level you up accordingly. Mm -hmm. I think it's important. I think, Eldwin, I think you said this. I don't know months ago that we're writing a story we're writing a book together yep. and it all yeah. kind of comes back to the storyline of like 
I mean, either you're gonna either you're gonna help paint a beautiful story, or you're gonna count points and say, "Whoa, man, I got 24 experience points." Like, you know what this means? Like, you can go along for the ride, or you can count the milestone mile markers and be like, "Oh, mile 82, mile actually, 83." I actually don't even know what level we are in Dragonlance right now. But anyway, it's not important. It's not important to me. You know, it's like that kind of game. Uh, yeah. I, I don't need to count them. I'm waiting for level eight, baby. That's the thing, you know, we're playing a game. So that, those are game mechanics, counting mm. points, picking up arrows, like buying spell components at the tavern. You yeah, know, that's right. the game for some people. And Absolutely. I think, I think this D and D or any role playing game is really on a spectrum and you can have as as little game mechanics as you want. And, it, it, but you have to overcompensate with role playing. You can have a game that's focused solely on mechanics and dice rolls and checks and picking up arrows, but then that's going to be a role play light. So, you know, it's a spectrum and it depends on, you want to go milestone, you want to go XP, it depends on how you're playing the game, and it depends on the table. All right, guys, got a question real quick. Absolutely. This goes, this goes with level up and milestones, but it goes more hand-to-hand wizards and like spellcasters. Spell components. I know it's a battle part of the game, but should they stay or should they go? Out. 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 Out the window. Too technical. I mean, for, I, for, again, our, for our table, for our win. table. But I think that's the game. You know, that is D and D. It's I, I played with a part. Uh, I played a few um, sessions in a campaign with a group that I met on uh, Discord, and their campaign. Yeah, no, their, their <laughs> campaign was you know focused on the technical stuff. They were like a whole i think a whole 2 hour session one time was just them trying to use displacer beast pelts to make special armor and they had to go and like negotiate with the blacksmith and all this other bullshit like i don't want to play fucking um minecraft what is yes minecraft <laughs> or skyrim you know and a dnd campaign i want to just what do you i want to get a story out of it you know i yeah. like i don't want to say like I was playing Skyrim, I can't even. You know, I have, I'm walking around. I can barely run because I can't decide which shit to keep and which shit to let go. I don't want to fucking think about that when I'm playing D and D. I want to, you know, tell a story. I want to get right. immersed in in the environment. I don't want to fucking negotiate with a blacksmith to create some displacer beast armor that makes gives me plus two on stealth checks or whatever, which is kind of cool. But right. it would also be cool if the DM just gave it to me without much. If I found it somewhere, if I chance. earned it, if I earned right. it, but I didn't have to go build it. I mean, or you could just, hey, I want to ask, can I make this? And they say, yeah, this is how you do it. Yeah, so you, you don't have to go spend three yeah. turns and tomorrow you'll have it. Whatever. Or grind until you get this much money and come but back. Like, we're not going to spend 20 minutes with you trying to figure out how to, you know, a, a negotiate on the black market. Yeah. I mean, like, I, and that's the thing, though. Like, there's so much stuff like you can do, and I think that's like the thing that makes me the most uh, annoyed. Is like, if you want to do like Displacer Beast, right? And you're not a blacksmith because you're you do know how to do blacksmithing because you're an adventurer and you have to take care of your armor. But you're not like a blacksmith. That's not your passion, right? So, what if you just went on an adventure to go find the guy who can fucking do it for you? Right. Yeah. There's a will. There's a way. I don't know, it's just like that's the thing that like, I guess annoys me too. It's like 
I don't know, adventurers who are just like can do everything. Like I'm struggling here after being a writer for so long to learn how to do math. I can't just level up and now I know calculus. Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> I feel you there. Gotta level up in life. What you need to do is find someone who can do calculus and have them do it for you. Hey. <laughs> Where's All that right. girlfriend of yours? Two hundred gold. <laughs> I'll do your homework for two hundred gold. Well, that's that's why our I think that's why our party works well together because you know we're not playing the game for the minutia; we're playing it for the story. We're very lucky that way that we're on the same page, and we love our high fantasy too. I mean, we're now. I I I will say that I you know there are campaigns out there that it just way too much story like uh it, Dungeons and Daddies I've been referencing this a lot this another podcast it's the guys that does Story Break I gotta uh, I gotta check this one out yeah they're like Hollywood writers um they uh their their Story Break podcast is basically they sit around and come they they have an idea and they try to break the story into three acts over the course of an hour and it's kind of funny and and you know they they come up with some really cool ideas but then they started doing D and D well basically. The campaign is totally character driven. They, they, I don't need, I, for the first like, you know, 10, I think they're on episodes like in the, in the teens right now. But the, for the first 10 episodes, I didn't even know which character was which class because they rarely did anything D and D. Like it was just all story and character interaction. Now I think that you can go a little too far in that direction, honestly, but they kept it and entertaining and you know, i kept going back to it but still it was not necessarily a D actual play podcast it was more of a an improv old-time radio show or something you know what i'm saying like modernized <laughs> yeah. that, that that's basically that's basically what it was it was just like a, a radio play improvised in the modern era with D, the the setting of D or 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 forgotten realms as the fodder you know for the for the improv um, so anyway, I guess my point is you can go too far in either direction, I think, but a good balance is where you want, really. You want a homeostasis. What bums me out about Saul's original question about spell components is that the juice doesn't seem to be worth the squeeze. So you could, you're going to spend forever as a warlock or a magician getting spell components to do a magic missile. And then, you know, hopefully you got enough. But... Jesse's over there. He's got a battle axe. He swings it. He's good to go. I have to. So if I want to do some damage, I have to get 14 different items to do one spell. It just doesn't seem like the juice is worth the squeeze to be a mage anymore. Well, I th- and also, too, you have the spell casting focus like a wizard can have a spell component pouch, which basically allows you to do the, the first few level spells or whatever. But when you get. And, and like a druid has his, um, he can use his staff or whatever as his, his spell casting focus. But when you get into the higher levels, like six and seventh level spells, you know, some of those take weird off the wall shit. I agree. And here's another thing. You don't have to scrap the whole idea. You can just make it easy. Okay, dude, I need to refill my components so I can do these spells. You charge me a flat 100 gold every time I come to a city and leave, you know? Right. Like, they're not easy. Just yeah. okay. I, I find components here. Ching. Thank you. I mark it off on my sheet that I bought those. Easy squeezy. It's not fun to go shop. Unless it is. Unless it is. If you guys have fun and and you know, I came up with this really funny shopkeeper I wanted you to come try out, then like maybe we would do that. 
Oh yeah, yeah, but you have to go into the place to see you know, to talk to him to get those components this time. <laughs> and you have to suck his dick. Yep. <laughs> Naturally. As long as it pushes the story forward, I'm for it. That's where it's all been leading. We're pushing something forward. Oh, <laughs> Zinga. Take a moment to listen to our sponsors. Who do we we have on our docket this week? Now brought to you by Blue Chew. Are you still having trouble in the bedroom? Well, not anymore. Now with Blue Chew, you can get it up at all times. (laughs) Morning, noon, or night. When you're ready, your dick's ready. Every time. (laughs) Anniversary. (laughs) Anniversary. Bar mitzvahs. Get that dick up. Only $99.99.99. Also brought to you by Slappy's Peanut Butter. Guaranteed to be the thinnest, wateriest peanut butter that you'll ever purchase. Have trouble chewing on your sandwich and swallowing it without a giant glass of freezing cold milk? Not anymore. Slappy's Peanut Butter glides down your gullet. Your granny loves it. (laughs) Yay! I carry that shit everywhere. <laughs> Denture friendly. Wow. We've had a lot of fun here today, but thanks for joining us here. This has been our first of many episodes of Dice Advice. You can catch us online at thesellerlore.com, on Twitter at loreseller, Facebook, just search for The Seller Lore Podcast. And we look forward to hearing from you guys. Uh, please feel free to reach out with questions, comments, quandaries. We want to answer them, we want to digest them. Keep your eyes peeled. We're coming with a lot more content, baby. Join us next time. Until then, slather yourself in peanut butter. (laughs) You dirty bitch. If I want polio, that's my business. <laughs> God, God damn it, this is America. I have the right I have the right to contract a deadly virus and die from it, even though it's been eradicated from the face of the planet for ten it's almost dead. Oh well twenty years. I'll drink this T B down if I want to. <laughs> you can pull my T B from my cold dead fingers. <laughs> <laughs>